0: Sitting with me virtually is the EFL Young Player of the Month for December, Sheffield Wednesday's Bailey Adamartree. Thanks for joining us, Bailey. How does that feel?
1: Uh, feels good. It's feel, I feel like it's a, a gratitude to my hard work. I feel like I've earned it, but I'll be fit to be put up with the list of names that have won it before. It's a complete honour.
0: Yeah, I mean, current England squad members. Are- previous winners of this prestigious award. Some of the the top players in the English game have cut their teeth in the championship in League One and in League Two as well. And and now you're on the list.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Hopefully I can get to where some of these names have got to.
0: It's always a little bit of a cliche to talk about a a whirlwind month or so for, for a young player when they first make their way into the senior team. But for you, that is really, to my eyes anyway, the only word we can use. You'd never played a senior league minute for Sheffield Wednesday before the 11th of November. And then you win the, the EFL's Young Player of the Month award for December. How has this experience been over the last six weeks or so?
1: Yeah, again, I'm going to have to just repeat your word. It has been a whirlwind. Obviously, am still looking back on it now. This time, six months ago, I wouldn't even dreamed of obviously winning an award like this, scoring a few goals, in the champ- playing minutes in the championship and then, Scoring a few goals tops it off, didn't
0: it? Because you were scoring quite a few goals, weren't you, for the 21s in the Professional Development League. From what I can see, you're still joint top scorer in the PDL, despite the fact that you <laughs> haven't played for the last two months.
1: To be fair, I have not looked in a while, so I didn't even know how I joined, but it's news to me.
0: Something like 11 goals in seven games in that competition, does that sound about right? Yeah.
1: Sounds you know, about, uh... you know your
0: stats, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now three uh goals in the championship as well. One at home to Blackburn, one away at Norwich at Carrow Road, and another at Hillsborough at home to QPR. Talk me through the the three goals as they happened.
1: Blackburn getting in just right space, right time. I feel like my movement with good, got in and uh Quite early on in the game, got put one in the back of the net. You don't. When it's your first goal, you don't even know what to do. You just run towards the towards all the fans and just try and celebrate as best you can. But uh, it's a surreal feeling. Norwich away, absolutely smashed my face up trying to get that goal as well. <laughs> wow, but uh, it's it's all worth it. Obviously got in at the back post, headed, followed through, and hit the the young right back's head. So that that weren't great, but it was still still another great feeling you didn't i didn't even feel my face until after the celebrations had finished. and i had to go, go down Bailey' face is all smashed up so that weren't that went great and then qpr probably my favorite of them all scoring against uh begovic uh, in front of the cop end was probably a better feeling than scoring my first goal because i knew we were on the upward spiral in that game, and all needed was one goal. And we'd, we'd be able to flip the scoreline, and I got that goal, and then moved so we are able to score the winner.
0: You mentioned Asmir Begovic being a goal for QPI. Do you see the goalkeeper almost as your opposite man, and, and someone with his history in the game? You know that being extra special for you.
1: Yeah, you see it before the game, and you think these are the these are the people that you've watched growing up, and to actually score a goal past them. When I've seen him playing that for teams like Chelsea, is it's crazy.
0: So I'm assuming there's a pretty good feeling around the place at the moment, Bailey, not just because you've broken into the first team but also because Wednesday are picking up a ton of points at the moment. Five wins in the last eight league games off the bottom of the table and now just a couple of points from safety where two months ago it, it was already a fairly big gap. Just tell me about the, the feeling in the dressing room at the moment.
1: It's a, it's a very positive feeling. I feel like past few past few weeks, past few months since we've had this new manager is really set a standard around the place and he's really brought a new um structure to the place where everyone's feeling positive, everyone's going into every single game feeling like way better than these teams, we're going to go and beat these teams and we're going to get out of this relegation. zone.
0: So. The improvement in performances and results since Danny Roel arrived have, have been amazing to see just from an outsider's perspective. Are you able to explain or maybe describe the impact that you think Roel and his staff have had on the team?
1: Yeah, I suppose the main impact is intensity. If that's what that's his main focus would in we need to go and play with intensity like would we, we want to be on top of the whole game. He says if you go at full intensity and you you're tired after sixty, that, that is what it is. So I'll I'll bring a sub but he's been good with his subs as you've seen in previous games, brought Jeff on score against Leicester, brought Moose around to score the winner against Stoke. Is he's, he's been good with it.
0: I mean, for you personally, having not actually made your debut when Danny Rowe was appointed within three weeks, I think of his arrival, you came off the bench at half time against Millwall. I mean, how and when in that period of time did it become clear that Danny Rowe was taking you very seriously as a starting striker for Wednesday?
1: I feel like the week before the Millwall game, I was in. I was involved a lot more than I had ever been before, so it started to feel real then. But um yeah, it's been good. It's been it's been great to work under him as a great
0: manager. December is basically the busiest month for football clubs and for football players in terms of the fixture list. So for it to be your first full month, really uh, starting senior at senior level is pretty amazing. You started eight games in the league in a row between the 29th of November and the 29th of December. I mean, how did that feel physically for you? That workload, eight games in a month.
1: Yeah, it's it's been tough, but. I'm I'm grateful for all the opportunities that I'm getting. i I'll always try my I just always work hard, and the manager's trusted me, and I feel like I've given him something to trust.
0: You must have to do about three hours of stretching every morning, surely.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's um, <laughs> a lot of re- a lot of recovery, a lot of recovery procedures, a lot of um, rehab programs that have to be done. But everyone everyone feels good.
0: And it's not like your role in the team is just, you know, stay at the top of the pitch and wait for the ball to get to you. Particularly out of possession, in terms of pressing intensity and what's demanded of you and, and your teammates at the top of the pitch to be that first line of defence. I mean, it looks exhausting from that point of view as well.
1: Yes, but suppose it is. But that's that's his mantra. That's his. Um, that's the work ethic that we've got to put in, and we're getting we're getting the results that prove it.
0: I suppose it's pretty straightforward as a player you you want to win football matches so if you're being asked to do something if you can see pretty quickly the impact the positive impact that it has the the extra chances that you get from pressing high with the pitch that's got to be such strong motivation to keep working
1: yeah 100% if you can see the results are coming in from doing um, from doing what the manager says why why stop doing it
0: and as an attacking unit There's a a group of you that really seem to be kind of hotting up together and individually and combining really well. I mean, just in the last few weeks, obviously you scored uh, three goals. Josh Windass has had some great moments, as have Masaba, Gasama. Plenty now contributing going forward for Wednesday. How much are you enjoying being part of that unit and who do you enjoy playing with most?
1: Yeah, I suppose it's a a young young attacking line and the more we've played together, the more we're going to gel together. But I think... We're all playing well at the minute. We're all gonna work hard for each other and uh, we're all getting the benefits of it now, goals and assists.
0: Those three I mentioned, Masaba, Gasama, Windas, all in different ways. Such exciting, you know, high quality, skillful players.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're all we're all dynamic. we are all we're all technically good and we can all we can all score goals. So I think we all come to that each other work.
0: Are you uh, a sort of lover of, of football outside of just just playing it and and being a professional, but in terms of watching, studying the game, are you are you interested in the technical side like that?
1: No, yeah, I do like to study football, but I am also a Man United fan, so it gets a bit frustrating at times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, what about the sort of tactical side of the game? It's something that we like love talking about on our podcast, and I know that... People who listen to the pod always find it really interesting to hear players describe, you know, what sort of a, a player they are. There's lots of different types of striker, for example, in the modern game. So, how would you sum up your game, your strengths?
1: I feel like I'm a bit of a um, bit of a mix. I, I like to I like to do the hard yards. I like to do the running. I like to run in behind because I feel like that's the quickest way to the goal. And I like to slog. I'm, I'm a finisher. That's me as a person. But also, if I need to, I can drop to beat and link play, and then. Do the back to
0: goal as well. I guess if you do watch a lot of Premier League football, and if you are watching the strikers in particular, it's become very clear over the last few years that you simply have to offer all of those attributes. Otherwise, you may not make it to that level. You look at the players like Watkins, Calvert Lewin, and and so many others as well. Dom Solanke, you know, just to look at the the English strikers in the Premier League, and you recognise that they all have, outside of just finishing ability, so much to their game as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. I was going to say before well, that one player that I really enjoy watching is Ollie Watkins. Great player. He's, he's quick, he's strong, he can do it all. So he's one that I like to base my game around.
0: Mental side of the game as an attacker must be, it's just really important, isn't it? And when you bring out Watkins, you know, he gets a lot of chances. He doesn't take every chance. No striker does, but you can see the determination in his eyes. It doesn't affect his play. It doesn't make him less confident when he misses a chance. And I guess that's the sort of thing that you must take a lot from.
1: Yeah, yeah, I suppose. So he's he scores a lot of goals. He also he also misses a lot of goals, but um suppose every miss you got you go to the training pitch, you go and work on it and every striker's got areas that they need to improve, but if you can master your super strengths then and it can take you anywhere.
0: Uh, people of my age are having a, a really fun time following English football at the moment because there's a lot of uh, sons of former professionals coming through and, and now making their their own name. Of course, Kadamatri is a recognisable ma- name from from that era as well. Your dad, Danny, w- was a professional. I believe your younger brother as well is also on the books at Sheffield Wednesday. How important is football to your family?
1: Very, yeah. We've all obviously, my dad was the first there. We've all grown up around football, me and Caelan. Me so we're just trying to follow in his footsteps, I suppose. So we um in and around the first team environment now. I don't think it's long till till Caelan follows in my footsteps. So it should be good. should be kind of a match link up at Sheffield Wednesday soon.
0: That'd be amazing. D- does your dad offer a lot of advice, either in terms of, you know, technical on pitch stuff or even just, uh, you know, how to handle? Growing into being a, a, a senior professional, or is he pretty hands off on that front?
1: Yeah, I, I think he he's a coach now uh, up, at, up at the other end in Sheffield, so um, ah. he knows he knows football's mentalities. Obviously, he's studied all that sort of stuff, so he knows when when he can be a bit more hands on and when he needs to when he needs to step off. But it's good to have someone like that. It's good that he can offer advice, He'd obviously. He was playing back in back in the 90s, early 2000s, he? So the game has changed a lot since then, since when he were a young one coming up. But yeah. he offers that side of it where he can teach me about when he was playing. And then he can also offer the side of it in the modern day as, as a coach.
0: The game has definitely changed. It's definitely changed in terms of what's being asked of, of strikers now. But... The art of finishing and scoring goals inside the penalty box is is broadly still the same. I watched his first goal for Everton earlier today and it, it wasn't that dissimilar to your goal against Norwich City, a ball into the box, a, a flick on, right place, right time and a, and a good finish that was. I mean, his first Everton goal was when he was 17 and you were 18 when you scored your first. Has is he, is he mentioned that, that he beat you I to know. it?
1: Yeah, he's beat, he's, he's beating me <laughs> by a year and but... Yeah, credit to him. He's he's done it. He's done it younger, but hopefully, I can do it for longer.
0: And Bailey, just before we let you go, you've been with Wednesday for around a decade now. Um, how much of a connection do you feel to the club and the area?
1: Yeah, obviously, there's a massive connection there. I've been I've been here since I was eight years old, under nine. So I feel like I've got a lot to give this club. They've obviously they've helped me grow as a man and and as a footballer. So I've got a lot to give.
0: What's it like since you broke through coming across fans both in person and, and I guess on social media? So much must have changed in the last month.
1: Yeah, it's good. I I appreciate it. I think the support and the love that the fans have shown me after such little time in the first team, is it's immense. It's good, but credit to them. and I want to give back what they give to me.
0: And it's the, the period of New Year's resolution. So, Bailey, what are your personal targets for this season and beyond? And, and where do you think the club should be aiming this season as well?
1: Well, first and foremost, I think we'll, we're going to get out of the relegation zone and then we're going to push to get top half of the table. That's, that's a given. That's a given for this group of players. We've got it. We've got what it takes to do it. But personally, I want
0: to score a few more goals. Wow, well, we love the confidence. It absolutely shines through in your performances and, and that of the team over the last month or so. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on Not The Top 20, Bailey. Hopefully not for the last time.
1: No worries. Thank you.
2: Yeah, delighted to be joined today by Daryl Clark, who actually spoke to Ali about five or six years ago, one of our earliest interview episodes. So this isn't your first time on the pod, Daryl, but but welcome back. How are you getting on?
3: Yeah, I'm all good, George. Thanks, mate. Yeah, all good. Yeah, I can remember doing it quite a few years ago now, wasn't it? So uh, pleasing to see you doing well on the podcast, mate. And
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, and, it's going uh, all right.
3: continues.
2: Well, we're doing okay, Daryl. But when you're setting standards the way you are at Cheltenham Town, it's pretty hard to uh, to keep up with you because when you were appointed on the 29th of September, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, Chutland Town were in 24th position in League One with just one point and no goals scored. Since you were appointed, you picked up 22 points in 16 games, uh, and you're currently sitting. You know, if the, if the if the season started when you were appointed, you'd be sitting in 11th. Like. That isn't just a turnaround; that is spectacular. I can't really think of many occasions where a head coach or manager's come in and overseen such a massive turnaround in performances and results. What have you done?
3: Yeah, first, first and foremost, credit, credit to the players. I mean, when, when you go into an environment where obviously everyone's low, they've not scored a goal. There's a massive, there's a massive thing made of that—the worst start in uh, football league history. So you could see that there was a lot weighing heavy on the players' shoulders. You know, good good group of lads. You know, since day one, since I have come in the building, we've we've kept it positive. I've I've tried to uh, I tried to forget about the league table and program that in my players' mindsets and say, listen, we've got got to focus on trying to win 15, 15 games this season. That's where we're at, and the, the lads are brought into that tremendously. You know, we've uh, we've we've got a structure away playing that the 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 press is high. Uh, gets in teams' faces, makes it difficult for the opposition, and and that suited uh, the the players. And uh, we we've been uh, improving and, and getting better and better. So the, the the players are in a good place at the minute, which is which is good.
2: We often talk about it when clubs like Charlton Town make the leap up from League Two to League One. You know, there there are certain key protagonists who who take them there. You look at, at Mike Duff, the manager, who of course went on to manage in, in League One and then the Championship. Alfie May, who's currently the top scorer in in League One, and it's very difficult. When clubs lose those kind of characters, those those talents to really replace them. So when you came into the club, because you know when you look at the resources available to Charlton compared to the rest of the league, you know being in the relegation zone isn't necessarily that surprising. What did you see as being like the key things you had to do? Was it on the technical side in terms of, of getting the, the players playing a different way? Was it on the mental side getting them to believe that, that they were able to to put the kind of, of run of performances and results together? If they have them.
3: Yeah, I think first and foremost was. The mentality side of things, you know, the players were obviously struggling confidence, confidence wise, uh, with with the run they was on. So getting them mentally prepared and then doing hard work on the training pitch, doing doing the the way I want us to play in and out of possession, loads of work, continuous work on doing the right things, making game plans nice and simple for the players so that they don't have to overthink things, and and I keep working on that to 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 get better. So that was the. First and foremost, and, and the second thing is that I wouldn't I wouldn't have took the job if I you know I can remember having a chat with the the, the chairman and a couple of the directors that I wasn't interested in hearing about League Two. You know, I, I thought yes, it's a it's a it's a tough task. I said, but let's let's listen. There was a lot of games to go. Can we can we get a run? Can we stay in League One? And that is still the end game. That's the end goal. You know, we uh, we have a lot of work to do. We, we know we're nowhere near the finished article shall we put it but we've given ourselves a fighting chance George and that's credit to the to the players and my staff
2: A key part of this run has been the home form uh, where you've lost just one of your last eight league games um, it all kind of kicked off with a, a big win over High Flyers Oxford at the time and then of course last time out you beat table toppers Portsmouth coming from behind to win that game 2-1 I mean given that the Cheltenham fans had literally nothing to cheer about until um the the second week or first week of october how important has it been for this run to have one road absolutely bouncing and enjoying what they're seeing
3: yeah no it's great and the fans have been brilliant ever since i come in the building you know a, a lot a lot of raised eyebrows when i when i took the job on but uh, I, I suppose the past experiences I had at Port Vale when I went into Port Vale, they were they were slipping, looking like going out of League Two, and and we, we turned that round with eighteen game, uh, about seventeen, eighteen games to go. So, I think my experience of, of being able to do that and going into a a change rooms that that was lacking that confidence, that was lacking that maybe a little bit of direction at the time. Uh, but that that sort of helped the group, and then, like you said, they're picking up picking up wins against you, like your Oxford and Portsmouth. But I, I take that away from the lads. To be honest with you, we we just try and focus on. I know this is boring, and you've probably hear <laughs> it loads of times, George, from different managers. But I do I do genuinely take you know, Cheltenham in League One. We are we know where we are. We know what size club. We are in League One. We understand it. But I take that away from the players. I don't care who we're playing we are going to get after teams and try and win the game. It's as simple as that. That message was pretty clear from day one. Uh, you know, there's obviously ways and a lot of work on the training ground in each game because each game has its difficulties. So, say, for example, you play an Oxford game, uh, an Oxford team that are a very technical team. They like to get the ball down. They like to play through the thirds. You know, we have a game plan for that specific game. We have a game plan for like a, a Shrewsbury, which is a little bit more different, uh, more physical team. So, we take all that away. We take the size of the clubs away from the lads, and we just focus on winning that game, that that project I call it, and uh, that's put the players in the right frame of mind. And and with that, as you know, picking up results, players gain confidence. Count confidence from that, so uh, they're in a good place at the minute. But they they know I'm on the case. We we <laughs> we. Uh, We know we're near finished in the job, we're in the bottom four, we're fighting, we're scrapping for our lives. And uh, let's not forget, and I keep reminding this to the players, we're trying to create history at Cheltenham. They've never stayed in League One for a fourth consecutive season. That's massive. And the massive message I also get to the players is, is, imagine staying up, having the worst possible start in football league history. That's what we're <laughs> trying to do, you know. So driving that driving that tool down the players' necks and uh, we're, we're all on board. We're all trying to achieve that and, uh, you know, great support from the the people above.
2: I like the equivalent of putting the, the poor start on the dressing room wall there to inspire them to, to go forward and make history. Um, in terms of, of individual players, um, there's a couple that I want to touch on, but Liam Serkin is, is the obvious one off the back of his brace against Pompey on Saturday. He's a player that you've worked with before at Bristol Rovers, and he has an unbelievable goalscoring record under you. And before you came through the door at Cheltenham, he hadn't scored in the league since October 2022, and he's already scored six since you've come in, including that brace. I mean, he's a player that, you know, I'm an Oxford fan. He's a player that I know very well. Uh, from his Oxford days and, and he always seemed to me at his best when he was making those late runs into the box and, and with a knife for goal and, and with a really good shot as we saw with the second against Pompey so what was it when he came in the player you worked with before and, and how have you got him back to his as best?
3: Yeah well I know obviously like you said Dave I've worked with Liam so I know his strengths he likes to get forward and, and that's what we want him doing uh, Liam's always if you can get him forward up the pitch he's always got I call him golden eggs he always gets a golden chance in each game he plays he's that type of player He's uh he loves his football, loves being on the training pitch, great lad. And uh like, like Liam, everybody was lacking that little bit of confidence when you when you come and they're gonna be on on that result. But reminding the players of what their strengths are, uh Liam, Liam being one of them, and he, he's produced like you said, he scored six goals, scored a couple of a couple of great goals for us at the weekend as well. So he's enjoying his football again. He's 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 playing with a smile on his face, and he's he's driving the standards for the team, and that's what you want from experienced players.
2: You mentioned experienced players; they don't come much more experienced than Curtis Davis at, at 38. Um, he was out with with injury for for a bit, but he's played a big part in, in a lot of the wins, um, both at the beginning of your tenure and, and more recently as well, including Saturday. How big is it to have someone of, of Davis's experience um, of his ability uh, as your you know as, as your senior player in the squad?
3: It's a must, you know. Uh, I can remember the first game that I watched, uh, we, we, which was uh, at Lincoln and you know, Dave was on the bench and looking at the squad in depth as I did before I took the job. Curtis Davis is a player we need if, if we're going to stay in League One. It's as simple as that. He's uh, He's been brilliant since I've been in the door. He's a model professional and like you said, at 38, I mean, the amount of balls he had out, out, out of our box on, on, on Saturday <laughs> was tremendous. So, uh, He's, he's there's life in the old boy, yeah. Great, great, great lad, and we, we need your Curtis Davises, your Liam Circums, your Tom Pets, your Sean Longs. You know, I need my experienced players in the in the in the pitch on the starting eleven most of the time as well, because uh, that's that's what they bring that experience to the fold
2: the pleasure of working with Curtis uh, on, on, on TV a couple of times. There's no denying that when he does decide to hang up his boots, he's got a career ahead of him in front of the camera, if that's what he wants. Um, and finally, another player um, in Will Goodwin, who'd only started two games before you came in, 21-year-old. Both of those games kind of played off the left. What did you see in him? Because since you've come in, he's scored six goals in, in limited minutes. He's looked really lively. And suddenly you've got a player who I'm guessing, Chutton fans are hoping, by the end of the window, there wasn't anyone circling or swooping to, to to attract him.
3: Yeah, no, Will's been great. I think that consistency of being on the training pitch regularly and and getting a run of games. But I see him as a centre forward. Listen, he's a he's an out and out nine for me. Uh, we, you know, we play we play the two up top uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the times. And he's he's really linked in well with the other forwards I've got at the club, George Lloyd, uh, Rob Street and, and, and Keno. So yeah, but he's he, I think he got six on the on the spin in the league. He's mm-hmm. he's uh, he, he's had a little bit of a niggle, but he's getting over that, which is which is real positive. He's he's his head's in a, a a better place with regard to that little niggle that he's had, and we're hoping to get him back to back to action soon because the likes of keeping will and, and keeping the experienced boys fit is gonna be key for us for the for the rest of the season.
2: Uh, your assistant has moved on um, to pursue another opportunity in the last week or so, which I guess is a blow. Um, what are the general January plans, both in terms of, of the recruitment to replace him and also um, the uh, in terms of bringing in playing staff too?
3: Yeah, it was disappointing to lose Adam. Adam's a, a great lad, great operator, what a coach, really good guy, but... Uh... He's uh, he took up an, an option at Eastbourne. We wish, it, wish him well, disappointed, but uh, we, we're still in touch. He's uh, he, he did great, great for the group. Uh, but this January is going to be uh, it's a tough January because I've got to get myself now a new assistant. Uh, looking to add three four players into the into the team and, and try and keep hold of the players that we've got. So, uh, plenty of work ahead, George, and uh, <laughs> a nice, easy game at Bolton away on Saturday, mate, as
2: well. Eh? Just to put that in the mix. Yeah. that's fine you're, you're beating all the good teams so you'll beat them easily uh, just, just one kind of general question and I know that it hasn't necessarily impacted um, Cheltenham although I mean, a lot of loan players did go back but but by design probably rather than enforced but we've seen this January in the last 10 days or so loads of players being recalled from loans early the um, season-long loans and I'm interested to know from your point of view would that you know, it's something I think we're seeing more because we're seeing more academy players in the Premier League and the Championship being sent to League One and League Two than we were, say, three or four years ago. But how difficult does that make squad building in the summer if you know that if you take a player on loan from the Championship or, or the Premier League Academy and they do well, there's a chance they're going to be recalled in January and then sent back out to to a higher league.
3: Yeah no that is it it is difficult uh you know some of the lower league teams do rely on the loan market our situation is is uh, we had seven loans when i come into the building which was which was way too much uh our loan loans have gone back because we wanted them to go back yeah. so i think it it can be a double edged sword at times there in in most loan deals there is the uh, a break clause in in the, in the january window so You've got to see it from both spectrums because I've come into a, a obviously Cheltenham with players. I haven't got time to coach players to come for a relegation fight. No disrespect to Cheltenham, I just haven't got time for it. Uh, the you know the good young lads, but they are learning, they are developing. So. They weren't the answer for me, so for me to be able to change things around in January it was it was a real positive because the the budget had sort of been spent since since I'd got in the building. But like you said, it is going to be difficult, and and I think what you'll find is is that I think you probably find one or two clubs now more gambling on not having that break clause in if they've been stung in this window. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops.
2: Yeah, well, before we let you go, um, it's interesting on, on our social media accounts. Given the amazing run that we have been on, there've been a fair few tweets going out, uh, you know, about the run of form, and every single time we get. Loads of messages from Cheltenham fans, as you'd expect, but also loads of messages from Port Vale fans and Bristol Rovers fans who still have hold you in such high regard. And it's rare, it's rare these days, I think, to see managers who are no longer at clubs still with such a special relationship with with the fan base. It, it, it must mean a lot to you, uh, I guess, that you have that relationship still with the clubs you've previously been at.
3: No, it means a hell of a lot to me. I I, I try and build a great rapport with the, the fans for the for the clubs that I manage. I try and be honest, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing that... that that fans fans will tell you at previous clubs that you know that honesty after interviews before games, trying to trying to give as as much information and honesty as I possibly can to supporters and giving them the time of day. You know, because at the end of the day, the the footballers are supporters of the heartbeat of football clubs. So it's it's always nice to know that I'm well thought of in my previous clubs, and um, uh, you know, and I thank them for that.
2: Brilliant, thank you very much, Daryl. And here's to the playoff charge in the second half of the season. Cheers,
3: George. Top man.